and there's already a bit yellow blood in my in my veins. Already had a crazy 80 months here, but it just keeps on uh, keeps on going. Welcome to All in Yellow, the official Norwich City podcast. Pukey! Sensational! Who else? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the All in Yellow podcast. Great to have your company. Today we've got a real treat for fans. This one dating back to the early 2010s with the period of the back-to-back promotions. It's former City midfielder Andrew Crofts. Yeah, Crofts was another important member of that squad that achieved so much in a short space of time. I can't wait to hear about his favourite memories and why perhaps he left the club after only two seasons. Yeah, it should be an interesting one. And I've also heard he's a a real character too, so it should be an entertaining discussion. So here is episode 16 of All in Yellow with today's guest, Andrew Crofts. Andrew, great to have you join us on the podcast today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Alice. Um, really well, really busy still, which has been nice. Uh, obviously, with others not being as busy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Busy at Brighton, I guess, at the minute. Under 23's player coach. Just tell us how that role came about and how it's going. Yeah, it's been uh, love, loving every minute of it. Um, it was about 18 months ago now. I originally signed for, I'd finished uh, a season with Newport um, uh, League Two as a, as a player there. And then uh, in the summer, Yeovil um, approached me to be a player coach there for the first team. Um, and it's something that I was excited about. Um, I was looking to make the transition into coaching as well, but still felt like I could offer Santa as a player. Um, and then Darren Shell phoned me to say, uh, is this a pill chair? And I was like, yeah, definitely. I just finished my A licence um, and it, was, it, it seemed the right fit. Um, and then went up there. It was only three days into it, and um, obviously I'd, I'd, I'd stayed in contact with Brian because my relationship there as um, as a first team plan and had so many good connections with so many players and staff. And um, I always knew that I would go back at one point. And then and then Liam Rosinha went to uh, Derby. He was a twenty three coach uh, at Brighton. Went to Derby when. Um, Obviously, Frank Lampard went to Chelsea, which is a bit of a bit of a surreal one, really, because obviously um, how it come about was Lampard doing well at Derby, he goes to Chelsea, Rosie then goes to Derby, and then there's a space at Brighton. They contacted me to see if I would be interested, um, and of course, I was immediately attracted to, to the role. Um, and because I was going to be a player coach at um, Yeovil, they said, how, how do you fancy being a player coach for the 23s? We, we know you're looking to transition, um, and we... It's a, it's a pioneering one. It's a unique one. No Premier League club's done it. Um, we see, I think it was Bayern Munich had, had done it when they come over to play Brighton in the um, International Cup. And um, they knew what I was like as a character and how I sort of um, liked sort of mentoring and guiding young players when I was a senior player myself. Um, and yeah, it took it took a couple of weeks for it to, to be done, but because um, obviously Yeovil were were gutted that um, they were going to lose me, but they, could, they, they were totally... Um, really good with how they handled it all being well there was there was a lot of disappointment from the manager because he thought he was going to have me for the season um, so it took I think about two three weeks to get finalised and in that two three two three week period I was like oh, I just want to get back there and get going and and when the time came when it, it was all agreed it was um, it, it, it felt it just felt so right and so um, perfect timing so it was um, yeah it was a really good one sorry that's my front door <laughs> <laughs> no worries working from home hey so yeah. how does it feel making that transition then to play a coach? Do you kind of have to find that balance of keeping a little bit of distance between your teammates or do you try and keep it all on a level playing field? Is that quite a hard one? Uh, it's different because they're all obviously young players, um, literally ranging from um, 16, 17 would be the youngest. Um, at the moment, we've, we've got a, a 16-year-old who's who's going to be uh, a real top player. But um, it, it's normally sort of 17 to 21. Like, so they're all young players. And obviously in the first team environment, you've got a, obviously a, a blend of different ages. So it, it, felt, it, it felt easier than probably what it would have done at the first team because they're all young lads. Uh, they're all starting their journeys. And obviously I'd had, have a lot of experience to, to offer them. So it, it was a, fit, um, a real fine balance of when I was playing with them, I was just trying to play, but I ended up coaching within that, um, which I've really sort of found as the as I got into the weeks and months doing it, 
I sort of tried to make it my own and knew how to to sort of apply what I felt needed uh, the boys needed. And then obviously when I was just coaching and I weren't playing at all, it was very straightforward to, to you know, I'm a coach, I'm a coach now. Can I quickly grab that? Yeah, yeah, yeah go, go for it. Again. An important delivery. <laughs> so, Andrew, we're a similar age and I'm wondering how the body's holding up. <laughs> yeah, mate, the body, body's good. It's something that I've prided myself on through uh, when I was a young player and now I, I, I like looking after myself. I like feeling good and, and, and ready for, for whatever I'm needed to do. Um, currently, I'm, I'm not um, training or playing at all because... Uh, the 23s manager left about six weeks ago now to go to Stockport and, and manage there. And the club asked myself and um, the assistant to lead, um, which was a real, real nice surprise. Um, obviously, uh, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying. So I didn't think it was right for me to carry on playing straight away like the, uh, I take over with with, um, with Shannon and, uh, and and pick myself straight away. I don't think that would have gone uh, down too well. But it's something I'm, um, I haven't missed. Uh, I haven't missed playing for the last six weeks because I've absolutely got the buzz to to for for the coaching, for the leading and stuff. And it's um, it's something that's really infused me and um, something I thoroughly enjoyed and embracing and, and just trying to learn from the experiences as much as I can. Yeah, it sounds like you take a lot of pride in developing young players, which is lovely to hear. But how did you go about getting your coaching badges? Because I think I read you said it was a bit of a, a bit like a military experience, having to camp out at night and things to go through that. Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah. That, I'm currently on my pro license at the moment with the Welsh FA. Um, so I've done my B license probably about six, seven years ago now, and then then. And that, or not, maybe not as long as that as actually four years ago, or something. And then on to my A license, and then now I'm just currently halfway through my pro license. And one of our pro license um, uh, residentials was um, bit like a like you said, a military experience um, in some mountains in uh, in South Wales. It was um, it was an experience that I'll never forget. <laughs> Met some unbelievable people that had um, been in the SAS and. Um, the, the situations as an experience that they go through is just mind blowing, and it, it, that leadership, that staying calm in in crazy situations, and and dealing with so many different variables that um, that they go through, and then try they're, they're sort of trying to put their spin on it to to, to a, uh, uh, an elite football environment, and how you deal with communication, leadership, staying calm, looking, um, uh, managing people, connecting people, relationships and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was such a good experience and a really inspirational. I, I love speaking to people. I love, I love getting to know new people. And I just, but there was a couple of guys there who straight away I had an instant connection with and I, and I was just like, wow, I, I love you too already. What you've, what you've been through, what you've done and how well you carry yourself now. They're heroes to me. They're like, these, these guys are heroes, but they don't see that whatsoever. Um, they're just normal people who, who love serving their, serving their queen and fighting for their country. And then, yeah, the experience being in the mountains, sleeping overnight, um, it was freezing. Um, it was November time. We're, we we'd done loads of uh, different tasks during the day and then in the night time, they took us up to the mountain, pitch black, you had your head torches on and uh, you're in your groups, you're in your um, uh, syndicates and it was uh, right now you go, it was cold, it didn't rain all day and then literally we've got our tents up, the guys, the, the, our leaders left us, went back to base and uh, it, as, as soon as they left, it started lashing it down. And you know, you're like, oh, wow. And we had these little tents, like you had to put them up against a tree. It's, it's like a sheet. So it ain't, it ain't like a luxury tent or nothing. You're, you're like mat that you put on the floor you're laying on. And then every couple of hours, you've got to go to your observation post. I think there's six or seven between each team. And every one or two hours, you had to go and leave your tent, search, get your way down to this observation post and see if you see any sightings. They, they obviously like chucking little like um, grenades about, and obviously real grenades, but like um, smoke bombs and stuff like that. There'd be people walking down and having a go at each other. And you had to, you had to write it all down. And if you didn't, uh, spot it like you'd lose points and stuff like that and then uh, then you'd go back to your, your tent swap over with someone and you're knackered like you, you've worked all, all during the day you ain't going to sleep but to be fair you, you you think you're not going to be able to sleep in conditions which are so surreal 
but you actually, you're that tired. You do manage to get an hour or two and then you get, your, your teammate comes, she gives you a little poke and it's your time to, to do it again. And I remember it was my last one and I think I got back to my tent about half four in the morning and um, I thought, I think it was half six that I was back on. I was like, I'm knackered. Like, I think I could get two hours kip here. And then half hour into that, loads of bombs, like smoke bombs, everything. They're, they're like, get back to base, get back to base. And you're like, no way. So I got back to base about half five. And then it was like, right now, you're going to go through loads of different tasks. You're knackered. But the tasks were brilliant. And each sort of um, teammate had to lead a task. Um, and the task was like, the, the way they'd done it was was superb. There's all different ones. Like um, uh, you're in like a bit and you have to get, get like rescue someone and then there's like your uh, your medics there's like it, it was unbelievable but really thoroughly thoroughly learned a lot and um hopefully it's just giving you uh experience to lead people communicate well stay calm and stuff like that but it, it was really good is what you're describing there what brighton under 23's pre-season is going to look like is that <laughs> getting some ideas yeah no, definitely to be fair one of the guys who i was close with uh, once obviously the pandemic's um sort of under control and we can start getting um guys uh meeting people and stuff like that, i'd love to get one or two of them to, to maybe do a talk to the, to the boys because the way it inspired me was like jesus like and and this was say november time so a good few months ago and as soon as i think about them people or them situations it, it, it i don't think it will ever leave me and that's the sort of like the the hold that some that that inspiration can do to a lot of people and i think like you can if if any of the lads gain something from it in in helping them uh with their journeys as young players then i think that sort of stuff's great to, to try and include at some point within a season yeah, it sounds like great character building too, doesn't it? But we'll come on to Norwich in a bit, but I just want to take you back to your early career. You started out at Gillingham. Just tell us about that. Yeah, great. Um, lo- loved every minute of it. Real, real good experience. Obviously, my hometown. Um, I was at Chelsea before that as a young young um, academy player from nine till 16. And then obviously uh, made made the move to Gillingham. And I made my debut as a first team player at 16. So when I think about that now, when obviously... Uh, working with young players and I think cool, I, I, at the time I didn't really think much about it but it was obviously a real young age to, to be able to do that but my, my hometown clubs Gillingham where where I was born and bred so to, to, to do that for my hometown club to play a lot of games for them to captain them was, um, was a real again something that will stay with me forever um, I've got fond memories of the club um, again lots of good people and, um, and and obviously the fans and, and people around the area I'll always have a, a good connection with but yeah, it was a real, um, real sort of, um, yeah, great experience for me to do as a as a local lad. So, did you just miss the Wembley final, the the Bob Taylor Manchester City Wembley final for Gillingham? Yeah, that was before. I ain't that old, mate. <laughs> that was just uh, that was just before me. Um, but I remember watching it. I remember watching it again because obviously local team. You're like, oh god, Gillingham are doing well, and then uh, yeah, you see you see that and uh, great scenes and and them players. Um, say Andy Essen, Tyler, Paul Smith, Barry Ashby, Nicky Southall, um, Aidy Pennock, um, them sorts of players. They as I was coming up, um, they were senior senior pros and gave me a real good. Um, upbringing as far as standards um, respect uh, discipline all that sort of stuff but fun as well um, so that, that that group of players were, were great with me and um, yeah loved loved every minute they, they were tough like a couple of them were really tough um, and uh, I didn't mind that like as a, as a young lad I, I really enjoyed that sort of tough mentality that you know if you're going to be a part of this group you've got, you've got to work hard and respect and, and buy into what the club's doing so I, I loved that you talked about there your your time with Chelsea as a youngster. Am I right in thinking you flat shared with John Terry at one point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, surreal experience. JT, Paul Nichols, like um, they were they were both obviously a few years older than me and uh, so good with me. Um, and obviously both both were young pros at the time. And obviously JT went on to to do what he um, he's done and. Uh, yeah, yeah, even now when I see him now, I I I remember the times as um I must have been about 14, 15, something like that. So and then to play against him for Norwich against Chelsea was brilliant. And then obviously uh Wales against England and I've uh, was lucky enough to grab both shirts um from them games and uh 
yeah, just a real obviously football man who, uh, who who's obsessed with football. But again, speaking about sort of mentoring um, younger players, he, he even though he was only sort of three, four years older, maybe he, he sort of um, he, he took me under his wing a little bit when I used to stay in the flat with him. And Bob Osborne, the kitman at, uh, at the time, was um, the, the the guy who sort of um, owned the house, and, and we uh, we used to obviously um, crash there and stuff. But it was again a, an amazing experience. No idea he'd obviously go on to to achieve what he achieved, albeit you, you knew he was going to do some special stuff. Is that mentorship that you've experienced coming through there something that's really driving you now as an under 23s coach to then pass that on to the players that are coming through? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like obviously society in the world is obviously different now from say 20 years ago. So I'm very uh, sort of mindful that you need to stick with the times um, and and evolve with the times and not be not be a dinosaur. Not say oh, I used to do this and do that. Where some of some of that stuff will always be relevant and always be needed in the game. But obviously, keeping up with modern trends and you know periodization methodology towards training and and tactics and all that sort of stuff is um, is something I think you've got to be um, really diligent that you keep keep on top of that. But I think having good connections with whoever you're working with, whether it's the cleaner, um, the kit man, the the board, the the coaches, like I think you you just try and treat everyone the same with that respect that how you want to be treated. Um, and then with young players, it's it's just trying to teach them as good habits as early as they can. Uh, a lot of the, the players that I've worked with so far generally seem to have that, which is great. Um, but there's a lot of variables that go with being a young player now and a lot of distractions that maybe we didn't have uh, growing up. So you've got to try and manage that the best you can. Um, and just, uh, you've got to enjoy it. I think, like, I, I love football. Like, uh, obviously, as a player, I absolutely loved it. Is it a roller coaster? Yeah. Do you go through so many different emotions as um, sometimes you're, you're absolutely buzzing and on top of the world and you've played a great game. You, everyone's, everyone's really happy with how you're performing. And then three, four weeks later, your form's dipped. Yeah. You're getting a bit of stick. You're you're going through a different period, and that and it's just trying to stay consistent with your actions and your behaviours, which as a young player is a lot harder to do than when you are you're a more senior player. But it's just trying to keep them level grounded with that and not get too high, not get too low, and just approach every day uh, as best as you can. And I think doing that gives them a good platform to then take that through through their journey uh, and not being not being too disappointed, not being too high. But also not not trying to compare themselves to others, not trying to uh, take take criticism the wrong way because you know a lot a lot of stuff on social media now you're going to get criticised if um, if you if you see it um, and stuff like that. So it's just trying to stay well balanced with everything. And a lot of the young players uh, that, that I work with, they're all great kids, um, and they're all they're all different personalities. I think the the biggest thing is that. Every individual is different. Their personality is their own. Um, but what they can have control is how they behave. Um, and I love that. I love working with different people, getting to know them, getting to know what makes them tick, what what they struggle with, and then just trying to educate them as best you can. Do you think it's harder coming through now than, than say, a few years back? Not that many years ago, but, but when you were growing up and, and coming into football? Because we've seen, obviously, the emergence of social media really heavily over recent years. And, you know, players will know that they've had a bad performance. They don't need the tweets to tell them, but, but they get them. Do you think it's harder now than it was then? Yeah, like I said, uh, the distractions, there's a lot more distractions that um, players can get um get caught up in I suppose um, it's, it's tough isn't it because everyone's everyone's entitled to a, an opinion and, and what they think and stuff but I, I'm very much sort of like anything negative really that uh, gets said I, I don't I don't really enjoy that that aspect like obviously in-house you've got to, uh, I think being honest is the, the, the biggest thing for me but I try and be as honest as I can with every single player every single coach person like just just every person that I'm with I try to be honest with and I think um, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't personally write negative stuff towards anyone through for a social media platform just because I think it get it can t- get taken out the wrong way. Just having a face to face chat with someone, I think you can actually gauge what that actual message is. And I think through through just reading something, you can take something the wrong way, or it, it just I don't know it, it it just it doesn't sit well with me. Um, positive feedback and. Um, uh, I know, say like a cut, like a a view on something is different to just hammering someone, um, and I think it's that constructive criticism which players would probably respect and say, yeah, you got a point there or something like that. So it's just a, it's more say the, the abuse rather than negative comments that I think just goes a bit too far. Um, and, but like I said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's just that there's a line and I think I think every individual should know what that line is really. Um, and if it is a negative comment as far as I didn't think you played well today, then I think players can take that because like I said, they, they know. Um, they know that. It's just, like I said, that line of from a negative comment to abuse is, is very different. And and I think every individual who writes something knows what that line is. Um, and it's, down to, it's their responsibility to not, not cross that line, really. Well, Andrew, your football journey, as we know, brought you to Norwich in 2010, I think it was. Tell us how that move came about. Yeah, mate, it's, it was pretty like, it's such an exciting time for me because obviously I was at Brighton at the time where obviously everyone knows the connection I have with Brighton. It was my first team round, uh, first time there. Um, it was at the with Dean, um, but in the background, you could see that the club was going places and they had the plans of uh, the new stadium and further down the line, a new training ground. But that wasn't quite ready for when I was there. And obviously the year... Uh, when I went to Norwich, it, it still wasn't ready. Um, and Norwich had, had, had come in and shown interest because obviously Brighton had, uh, were in League One at the same time as Norwich. I was fortunate to have two good games against uh, Norwich themselves when we played them. Um, I had a good season for, for Brighton, which I, I loved. Um, and I was aware of the interest um, that they 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 like me, they like what they see. And obviously, as soon, soon as the season finished, they come in with an approach. And when I knew that, um, as a football person and thinking, oh, like Norwich is like coming for me, like a lot, like the bright yellow, like the stage, like it just, I was like, oh man, like buzzing with that. Like it's a great club to, for some someone to be like showing interest in me. And as soon as I knew, I was excited straight away. Um, and because like I said, Brighton weren't the club that they are now or what they were going to be. So it felt like um, a really good progression for me. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as I knew, and it got done really quick, which obviously doesn't really happen nowadays. It's a lot more sort of stuff that goes into to buying a player and signing a player, but it got done really quick, which I think really helped me um, in my start of my Norwich career because I got off to a flyer. Yeah, you were, you were actually Paul Lambert's first championship signing, but Gus Poyer, he really, really rated you at Brighton, didn't he? He made you captain, you were player of the year. Was that difficult to say bye to them? Or you say, obviously, you were so excited about coming to Norwich? It was. It was really tough, like, because Gus was great with me, like, uh, and I learned so much from him, obviously, being a midfielder um, and watching him play for Chelsea and Spurs and stuff. And, and when, when Gus took over... I was like, wow, like this is, this is like the lads were buzzing and it was a ex- really exciting opportunity for every player at the club. And then uh, obviously like we spoke about my relationship with JT. Uh, JT played with Gus and they were really close. And um, I, I remember Gus saying that JT had messaged him from a number to like get back in contact and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is like surreal sort of thing. And then make, Gus Poye making me captain was just like, wow, like, like a, a player at that level was seen saying in me that he wants to make me captain and and then my relationship with Gus Tano uh, the assistant become really tight and um, I just uh, it, 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 it really kicked my career on because I felt like I learned so much um, because he was a midfielder um, and his passion and desire for the game and in my relationship with the ball with um, Tony Bloom the way he handled me um, Norwich coming in for me it was different, different class, and I just had that. I just had that uh, such respect for the club, where I thought, oh, they've handled this so well. They they understand it's a real good move for me. Of course, they um, I was contracted to them, so they 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 would do uh, the the right deal by the club, etc. But it happened quick, which was which was nice, and I think it just showed the respect that um, they had for me that they didn't 
um, drag it out. They didn't prolong it, and um, they were really good with that. And and that's uh, probably a big reason why I ended up I've ended up going back there um, two times after that um, because I just love the club. Um, so yeah, that that was that. And um, to to be Paul Lambert's first first signing again, it was a real like wow, like they must really really want me. Um, and then when it got over the line, I remember going down to do my medical and I stayed in the Holiday Inn um, that night. Um, and I remember looking over the pitch and thinking, God, like, I'm buzzing with this. Like, this is, uh, you, you're like, oh, no, I hope, I hope my medical goes all right because I'm so desperate to sign now. I can see what the club's about and had the meeting with the, with the manager prior to the medical, done that, and then, and then got excited. So, yeah, I was, um, I was really excited about the opportunity. And you're joining a team that have just won the league. So does that make it easy? Do you come into that team, a buoyant team, obviously looking to achieve something the next year? Or do you think, well, hang on, these guys who have all earned their place winning winning the league, uh, is it going to be difficult for me to slot into this team? Uh, a bit of both probably, Dan. Um, I think uh, I had to prove myself. Um, that was the biggest thing. But probably reflecting on my career, when I had to prove myself to people, was probably when I performed at my best. Um and that desire to maybe say, oh, he's like, we're in a championship now. He didn't, he didn't play in a team that got promoted. Was, um, he's, got, he's got a bit of work to do here. Um, and I loved that. I loved the thought of, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Um, I remember one of Paul Lambert's first uh, meetings um, in the change room pre-season. I remember coming in, all the lads are sitting around and he says, um, we're going to do it again. We're not here to, to just stay up. We're here to get promoted again. And I remember thinking, what a statement that is. And I think at the time, everyone was like, well, that's a big ask. Like, just getting promoted and like to then go again, the level was going to be a lot, 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 uh, the standard would be a lot better, et cetera. But everyone just bought into it straight away. Um, and you think, you know, like, we're, we're buying to that. We're, we're, I'm all in. Like, I am literally all in after hearing that, the excitement of signing for Norwich. So, it, so that, uh, Thinking, am I going to fit in here? Didn't really, didn't really stick in. It was more, um, it was more like I need to prove myself here, and I want to get in this team, and I want to play a part. And what he, what the gaffer saying that he wants to get promoted again, and it was just uh, a relentless uh, attitude to, all right, we got to be at it every single day. We had a group of hungry players um, that probably all needed to prove themselves at that level a little bit, if you like. Um, so a, a group of players that were hungry, a talented group um, who wanted to, to get to that promised land of the Premier League um, was round the corner. Any team in the Championship, you're, you're one league from the Premier League. Um, and I remember thinking that, like, what, what's, like the next thing is the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a real strong statement early on to say we are going to have a right go at this. And you absolutely did. And then the promotion came. And I know you've talked about the fact there were 11 leaders out there on the pitch. There were a lot of characters at the time as well, weren't there? The likes of you and, and Grant Holt, John Ruddy, Andrew Sermon. Where did that decaminess all come from? Yeah, it, it's funny because there probably only been a couple that people that say knew each other prior to that. Obviously, uh, the guys had the season before, but then there was a, a, quite a few players added to that. So they had a, a strong core anyway, which always helped. And then I think the, the recruitment and the, the characters and the, um, the players that uh, the club brought in were hopefully added to that. Um, and yeah, when I when I go back to it and, and revisit that changing room, there was just a changing room full of characters that um, had real personality to, to a lot of things they did. Every, like I said uh, previously, like everyone's got a different personality, but then all the personalities seemed to click and um, everyone sort of dragged each other through good times, bad times um, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was, um, it was one of the best changing rooms I've ever been involved in. Um, it was such a... Uh, an exciting, enjoyable time. Like I said before, you've got to enjoy playing football um, and being involved in football. If you don't enjoy it, then like you ain't going to be good at it because if you ain't got a passion for saying you do, you ain't going to give it your everything. And I think I just looked at that changing and thought, everyone wants to do this. Everyone's so desperate to, to play for this club and get this club to, to the next level. And it was really enjoyable. Who are your big mates in the dressing room then? Who And who are the guys that you still speak to and reminisce about that season? Because... That season was 
awesome. It was so much fun. I refer to it as like the just can't get enough season because I think that when that song uh, rose to prominence with our fans. But who, who are the guys for you that you still keep in contact with? Yeah, there's a few. I love it you say that because it just it, it it makes me think. Yeah, mate, you are right. It, and every everyone I speak to uh, after like going back and revisiting these times says exactly the same thing. So it's really, it's a real nice thought that not only were we feeling that, like everyone involved with the club was feeling that. And I think that will stick with us forever. Um, and every time that say I go back and revisit Norwich, I think like people will talk about that time. Um, my, a lot of them still. Um, Russ Martin's my my um, my best mate in football. Um, so everyone knows our relationship. We uh, we live next door to each other pretty much most of the time. And then my second year, Grant Holt, um also uh, was my neighbour. And then Russ was a little bit further down. And yeah, me and Russ just uh, we had a little spell at Peterborough together, so we clicked there. And then um, and then obviously the two and a bit years that we, 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 we were joined at the hip sort of thing. The gaffer used to give us quite a bit of stick and make us do silly dances and songs together because the boys seem to enjoy that. Um, so he's, he's, a, he's a real good mate. Great to see him doing what he's doing at MK Dons now and um, can see him doing really well in the future. And uh, I speak to him every other day still. So he's a, he's a real special friend of mine and, and, and always will be. Um, and then Grant Holt again, yeah. Um, speak to Holty every now and then, and uh, he it, like he's him, uh, his missus and his three girls were like I said our next door neighbours in my second year there, um, like just round the corner from the training ground and come, become really tight with Holty. Obviously, what he done for the club was um, phenomenal, and the amount of goals and the way he, he captained the team was was inspiring. Um, and then. There's so many you got to say, sirs. Who obviously I know done the podcast a few a few weeks back, which I enjoyed watching. Um, Simon Lapping, what a guy! Um, I know still associated with the club with uh, with um, Adam Jury, which yeah, sorry, um, thing is, uh, and then I think Elliot Ward at the back, um, Zach Whitbread, uh, Tierney. Um, obviously, Russ is right back, and then midfield say of uh, Foxy, sirs. Me, Laps, and obviously Wesley Houlihan, who, uh, again, um, I speak to Wes every now and then and just uh, just uh, an infectious character who, uh, obviously, when I went back for their testimonial, it was um, it was great to see two, two legends of the club getting uh, that sort of reception. And Wes was a, a, such a good player to play with and um, I used to try and get, get, get him the ball as much as I could. I'd, I'd try and um, win it back for him, give it to him and, and let him do the rest because he, he could um, he could torment the, the opposition. And then you had uh, obviously Simeon Jackson, Grant Holt, Chris Martin, um, Owen Tudor Jones, Matt Gill, who again didn't really play a lot for the club, but such important figures within within the dressing room. Um, and then obviously uh, John Ruddy, obviously speaking to us before Jed Steer, like the the keepers coming through, like just just top top people that. I can't think of one player there that I at times thought, nah, you're a bit of an egg. There weren't no one. We didn't have one player there. We didn't have one uh, person in the change room who didn't want to do what we wanted to do. And I think that's really important. That energy like, and chemistry with the boys that ain't in the starting 11, they're, 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 they want to play. They're unhappy. But we never had that. Um, of, of course, they wanted to still play and, and they would have been frustrated if they didn't play. But they all still supported the team and, and trained hard every day. So the players that, if you ain't got a, a group of players that are, are trying to get into a starting team and they and they sulk and they they give negative energy, we wouldn't have done what we done. So a massive part of what we done and and the core ones that started every week, that was down to them boys as well. Um, and I think that's so important to know that everyone at um, that football club were pulling in the right direction. I mentioned, obviously, the keepers there and obviously Declan Rudd as well and stuff. And just, um, Deck, I spent a little bit um, when I was at Cholton a few years back, Deck come on loan there. So that was, it was nice to see a familiar face there again. And just all them people there, if I bumped into him in the street now, it would be like, I would, I, I'd seen him every day for the last 10 years. Um, and I think we should do so. I don't like saying before, like the ten year ten year anniversary of it. Or we did speak about doing something as a as a group, but obviously with the current situation, it's a little bit tough. We might need to put that on hold. Wow, what an absolute group of legends you've just reeled off there! A real trip down memory lane. Absolutely love that. But 
What were your favourite moments from that season in the Premier League then? Because I know you've talked about it being an absolute dream come true to be playing at that level. And, and it was, you know, safety managed to stay up convincingly that season. What were your favourite moments? Uh, from from the season that we got promoted, that sort of season in the Sorry, season in the Premier League. Season in the Premier League. Right. Um, the first game of the season away to Wigan was obviously a highlight just because it's your first game in the Premier League. Um, would you have liked it to have been at uh, Carrow Road or say uh, one of the biggest stadiums? Probably, yeah, but it didn't really matter. Um, having um, your first game in the Premier League that you've worked so hard to, to do and say, even if you only played one game uh, and you didn't play for the rest of the season, just to say that you played in the Premier League, I think for any players, a dream come true. And, and that certainly was the case for me. And then watching match of the day, the night, it was a bit, it, the game weren't great to be fair. It was nil-nil when it's there. It was a little bit of a, um, we'll take the point because it's away from home, etc. But um, then watching match your day and thinking, gee, like, I can't wait to watch match your day. And that, you didn't make a mistake, so you weren't one of them where you thought, oh, if I make a mistake, yeah, I'm going to get highlighted on match your day. So it was, uh, it was great. And then playing at all the big stadiums is, uh, was, was surreal. Like, and I think, if I, if I think about it now and you're going to all these top, top stadiums and playing against these world-class players, you probably didn't have too much time to think about it at the time. It's only when you reflect back on it um, and loved every minute of it. The um, the games, I think it was Newcastle at home. Um, I set I set a couple of goals up. Um, I think it was either Newcastle or Everton. Um, it was quite, and, I, and that was nice for me to to get a couple of assists in the Premier League, which um, which again is something that I really enjoyed. Um, the last game against Villa. Um, was probably uh, bittersweet because it, it was obviously my last game, but also like one that I, I, I maybe thought that 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 could be the case. Obviously, the gaffer was getting linked with um, with Villa at, at the time as well. So um, I think I think I managed to play twenty four games uh, that season, which which I uh, which I'll take to be fair. But if I had the opportunity again, would you would you go for it a little bit more? Potentially, maybe you, you, at the time you just think um, you're just uh, so excited to be there. And then, obviously, I thought that it could happen again with Brighton because we were so close. And that was one of the reasons that I ended up going back to Brighton because of the the ambition that that club went there. And I thought it would be a similar journey. And um, that that's only um, that's probably one of my regrets that I only had one season in the Prem. But I can still say that I had that season in the Prem. Would I've would have I um, revisited the Prem again if I didn't have my two knee injuries? Potentially, yeah. I think I think um, at the time when I'd done my injuries, I was again say like in the top top four clubs top five clubs in the champs so I think um, I think I would have had a, maybe another go at that um, that can't change anything so it's not one of them that I'm bitter on or nothing like that because I absolutely loved every minute of my season in the Premier League and it was um, as I said dream come true talked about your various spells at Brighton and I think I'm right in saying they're a really strong community club as well the parallels between the way you speak about Norwich City and the way you speak about Brighton, are there similarities of the two clubs? Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, like, um, my, my memories of obviously Norwich are so strong because of the time that we, uh, the successful time that we had was was uh, unique uh, and the people and the city and the community feel because it's, it's a, a, an isolated club on its own, if you like, and that, that real togetherness really shines through. And it's a similar one with Brighton. Like my my passion for representing Brighton is so strong, and I love I love going to work every day, putting a badge on, uh, giving it my all every single day. The people that work there are uh, special, special people um, who I absolutely love, and it makes me it makes me want to give that extra bit that I can every day. Yeah, really, really similar um, comparisons there because they're two clubs that. Um, I've got a lot of special people involved, sim, sim, similar sizes, if you like. Um, I think now Brighton's probably like with the the new training ground and stuff. It is phenomenal, and it's so true about facilities. And, and training ground is a footballer's home, basically. You know, they spend more time there than they do anywhere else, really. So it's so important. And as you say, it does sound fairly similar. I don't know if you've been able to see um, the training ground and the facilities at Norwich lately, but on a kind of same same way that there's been a lot of investment in that have you heard much about that 
No, I, I, I haven't to be fair. I'd love to, I, I love visiting different training grounds and stuff. And obviously, hopefully um, at one point I'll be able to visit the Norwich training ground again because I love seeing that, um, different clubs set their, set their sort of uh, environment and cultures up. And um, again, you always knew that Norwich had the ambition to keep, keep developing, keep pushing. And uh, like I said, that, that it is a, when you put it, it's their home for footballers. It's a great, great way of breaking it down because it's uh, you spend so much time there, and that environment and culture, a lot of, a lot of clubs and uh, coaches, players, managers will talk about. That's a massive part of of what your team looks like on a on a weekend. Andrew, I, I know we've talked all about that season, the 2010-11 uh, promotion season. It's memorable for me. It's when I started working at the club. But I just wanted to take you back and get the insider's perspective on a particular run of games that stands out for me, and that is Ipswich away, Derby at home, Portsmouth away to finish promotion. What was it like being part of that? I don't know what it, whether it was 10 days, two weeks, being part of that little run. Exciting, mate. Exciting. Um, exhausting as well, because you're, like, you're so close to, uh, to getting over that line and the amount of work you think that from a pre-season to that end point of the season where you feel that you're you're nearly there, but you've got to stay focused, you've got to not think about what that end part looks like. Use it as a little bit of a, um, right, I've got to give a little bit more because if I do that, this is going to happen. Um, but not let it uh, sort of distract you in, in your approach, into your routine, Um your main focus has to be on getting the job done. And I think, uh, yeah, the Ipswich game would have been a massive part of, uh, of that where that we've obviously early on in the season gave them, gave uh, a, a top performance at Carroll Road and, and obviously the scoreline speaks for itself. And then to then do that away from home uh, and close to, to, like you said, that end part of the season was probably one we go, yeah, we're we're feeling this. Like you can feel that something is going to happen, and, and we're close. And then obviously the, the Derby game, and then the Portsmouth game. Um, the Portsmouth game was uh, again. It was I, I can I can feel that as if it was yesterday. Like we're in a hotel. Uh, Cardiff are playing Middlesbrough before we leave. Um, we catch the first 10, 15 minutes before we have to get on a bus to leave for the stadium. And we're, me and Russ are in the room together. We're, we're watching it. Like, I think it was like five minutes in or really early on, like Middlesbrough go one nil up. So we're like, I'm looking at Russ like, cool on, son, here we go. And then a uh, couple of minutes later, it's 2 nil. So we're like, we're into the corridor. All the other lads are coming out of their rooms. We're like, boys, like, this is up. Like, this could be us. A couple of minutes later, it's 3 nil, like 3 nil. And then we're like, oh my God, like, we just need to win. And, and we've done it. So we're getting on the bus uh, and I remember uh, Simon Lappin used to sit on the front of the bus and me and Lapp's had, had a top, top relationship. And I remember, and he's a passionate, tough Scotsman who loved football. And again, played a fair bit that season, but not as much as, say, a lot of the boys, but had that relentless attitude of training where he wanted to get in that team. And if he didn't, he was going to push everyone just as hard to keep on top of their performances. And I remember looking at him and, and he looked at me and we both sort of said, this is it, mate. Like we, this uh, we are gonna do it. And then we're sitting down, we're getting there, and you're like, you're getting in your zone, you're getting your focus, but you're thinking, we just need to win, man. We we win, and we're in the Premier League. So the gaffer was really good at keeping the keeping us calm, to stay just staying in the zone of just doing what we've been doing for the rest of the season, not letting the the Cardiff score getting away of that. Um, and then we we started the game really well. We should have we should have been two or three up in the first half. And then as a player, you're thinking, nah, this ain't going to be one of them games where you're, you're on top and you don't get a goal. But you're thinking, surely it's got to be tonight. And then second half, we come out and then the goal's the goal. Obviously, I remember, I think it's Wally's played a bit of a clearance. Like I've managed to trap, tra- not a bad touch, played it inside and then obviously Foxy's played an outstanding cross to uh, Simeon Jackson who was, at the time was on top, top form and then obviously edited it in obviously all by the fans and then we're all going nuts thinking yeah, this is this is us, 1-0 up, this is our night and then uh, gets closer to say five, ten minutes to the end. Greg Alford's playing for them who's got a massive throw and you think like they have a few throws, they've 
he's throwing it long into our box. You're thinking, man, like we need to deal with the danger, get get the ball out, relax, like see it through. But you're thinking, God, like you could just feel it. It's like it's coming, it's coming. And then obviously the final whistle goes and it's just bedlam and everyone's just going crazy. The fact, like, obviously fans behind the goal going mental and the, the celebrations, like, and the, the feel of knowing that you've done it and then speaking, like, in the change room to your family, to your friends, celebrating with this group of people that you've worked so hard to achieve what you've achieved and then celebrating that night in Portsmouth. Like, me, we didn't sleep, didn't go to bed. Um, me and Russ were just, like, I remember, we, uh, God knows what time we got in, um... Did Russ Martin ever put any trousers on? Because that was the Russ Martin in his pants evening. Yeah, uh, yeah, he loved it, mate, didn't he? He's, um, uh, he's, we got back in the room just just talking about, mate, like, we've done it. We're in the Premier League. Like, it, it was just surreal that we didn't go to bed. Then we flew home the next day. We wasn't meant to fly back that night, but we was like, nah, there's no chance. We, we, need, to, we need to enjoy this. And then... We go back, then we have a couple of celebrations like in Norwich, um, and then we've obviously got another game to, to prepare for with Coventry being the last game. So, yeah, them them games like I said, mate, especially obviously the 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 Ipswich and the Portsmouth game was um, was yeah, it was unreal, mate. It sounds like you were such a family unit, you guys as well. I mean, what what do you remember from that night celebrating? You say you didn't get much sleep, but there must have been a, a few stories to tell. Yeah, you speaking about saying Russ having his pants. I remember being in a in in a club in Portsmouth with uh, none of us had any gear, like other gear, because obviously we didn't think that we was going to uh, go out. We were thought we were flying back that night, and um, I remember being was it was it a Thursday or Friday? I can't, it might have been a Thursday or Friday, you know. Monday, I think Pompey was a Monday. Yeah, it wasn't a weekend. Put it that way. So it weren't like a a, a thing, but we went somewhere. It was really busy. Um, we. We celebrated in that. I remember, um, I remember, like I said, we was in in club gear, but I don't. I, I, a lot of us didn't come back with with tops on and stuff. I remember being in the club, thinking like looking around, and everyone ain't got a t shirt on, like just like probably swinging it around their heads, whatever. Just to, just enjoy it, like a group of lads just enjoying it. But obviously, still still having respect for the the, the people that uh, are in the bar, but just just having that camaraderie together and. I said, just, um, I remember even like, you're still speaking about football that night. So you're absolutely buzzing, but then you're like, remember that game? Remember this game? And then like, you remember that goal? You remember this goal? And just celebrate, like I said, a group of people that just wanted to prove people wrong. So when you've done that, not prove people wrong as you like, but just prove that you can go to that level and, 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 and and obviously get promoted from the championship. And then the celebrations after, like when we beat Coventry, um, them, them two, three nights after that, phenomenal. And then we went away together as a team um, to Vegas, which was like a lot of lot of debuts going out to Vegas, which was uh, surreal. The, the guys that had um, had been to Vegas were excited for the ones that hadn't been to see their faces when they got there, and the the, the big the big buildings, the lights, the the the, the atmosphere, the a great way to again celebrate with people that just um, just was just so not relieved but like just so um, excited to have done what they've done with the amount like I said the amount of work um, that you have to put into a promotion season you should never under, uh, underestimate that um, and we enjoyed it like I said we enjoyed that two three weeks but then you're like right it's done now. Like now we're in it. We got to prepare for that. That's all done. The celebrations are done. We've now got to concentrate on the next bit. And I think listening to a lot, I, I love listening to podcasts and listening to a lot of the top, top um, athletes, entrepreneurs, all that sort of stuff. The, they don't enjoy it too long. So, and I can relate to that because look, we had a good time. We enjoyed it and, and stuff. But as soon as you like, you get over that initial call, we've won that, we've done that. You're on to the next thing. And that's, and that's, I think, so important that uh, you enjoy it, but you don't enjoy it too long because if you do enjoy it too long, you might get caught out a little bit. Um, and I think probably why we had a successful season the next year is that as soon as we enjoyed our, our time of, of doing that, we was ready for the next thing. I just want to ask, uh, sorry, Alice, I just want to ask a slightly, I want to ask a slightly, uh, not controversial question, but you know, potentially difficult question. Paul Lambert was the manager at the time. And he obviously had a phenomenal spell while he was here. While he was here, and we can't obviously, you know, discount his contribution to the club. Since leaving Norwich, 
he's not had as much luck. Um, and I'm, I'm not putting the boot in. I'm not obviously laughing at misfortune with Ipswich recently. But what do you think his management style was that clicked with the group of players that you're talking about that he hasn't managed to reignite since? Yeah, tough, tough question, mate. Because obviously, unless you're uh, in the building with uh, with a club and seeing how they work day to day, what personality, what characters they've got within the building, so it's a really tough question. Like I said, we we had a group there that um, that the gaffer managed in a way that he got the best out of everyone, every single player that was there. Whether like I said, you was uh, playing or not playing, he uh, he made you feel a part of it, um, and. Uh, why, like you said, he hasn't gone on to replicate what he'd done at Norwich. I, 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 have no, I can't answer that just because it, there's so many different variables to that question with what club you go to, what play, what players you got, what styles, what all that sort of stuff. There's, there's, that's, it's the golden question, and I think um, what he done in that two and a bit years was obviously a phenomenal achievement. Um, and that you don't do that if you're not a talented manager. Um, so I'm sure um, what's happened after that. Again, I can't. I can't comment. I can just comment on the times that um, we spent together. And uh, again, being being an ex midfielder, I, I learned a lot. So I, I just worked for uh, under Gus, who was a midfielder. Then 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 uh, Paul, who uh, again was a midfielder, and I just felt like it benefited me so much. Um, but yeah, tough question, Dan. It's it's hard to say. Like you, you, you think that they, he he would have gone on and, and and done lots of and and by the way, he's managed some some big clubs after after Norwich and, and uh, it would be very hard to replicate what he'd done just because the amount of sex, success that he did have. Like it's probably like I don't know the full full stats and all that, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they they're still still decent. It's just not to the level of what. Um, what he done at Norwich, which again is so so tough to do, and you've got so many clubs wanting to do that. It's um, it's yeah, it's the nature of the game. But um, I'm sure if you look back at say the the stats or whatever, there'd still be um, decent results uh, as far as what he's done. I, I can't really comment on it, but I can just say that the time that we had um, in that two and a bit years was uh, was unforgettable. Where does Lambert rank among your favourite players to have worked under? Obviously, you talk a lot about Gus Poyer there as well. Yeah, he's high, very high on the list. Like, I've got so much respect uh, for for Paul. Obviously, being being his first signing, um, how how he was with me, um, what we achieved in that two and a bit years, I'll be forever thankful for that. And uh, I, every time I stepped on the pitch for for Paul Lambert, I wanted to give absolutely everything that I had for for him, for myself, for my family, for the fans, for the club, and that's uh, that's what I'll do wherever I've been. Um, Wales managers, uh, very lucky. Chris Coleman, unbelievable. Gary Speed, unbelievable. Um, John Toshak gave me my debut. Obviously, a, a massive fo- um, football legend. Who I'd be fit for very, very thankful for that. So my Wales managers were 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 massive for me. Um, and then my Brighton managers, like I said, like Gus was different gear. Oscar Garcia was brilliant. Sammy Hippier, um, top 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 guy. Um, Chris Shooten, obviously, who had a, had a bit with Norwich as well, and then Brighton um, t- again, uh, top fella. Um, my early days um, under uh, at Gilles uh, under Andy S and Tyler, who gave me my first ever pro contract. I'm still friends with him now. A top top man. Um, Russell Slade twice Brighton and uh, and Cholton. Um, Graham Alexander at Scunthorpe, really really good. Um, and then uh, my last one. Um, at Newport um, under Michael Flynn, who I played with at Gymnam. A top, like again, a top, top, top guy and, and doing really well as a manager. And I hope, I hope he keeps doing what he's doing because he, he's, he's hopefully got a bright future as well. So I've, I've been very, very lucky to play for some some top managers and some uh, and some top people with that. Um, and I feel very, very blessed to have, uh, have done that. And um, I'll take, try and take a little bit from, from all of them, um, but most importantly, be my own person. And, um, but with that amount of knowledge and experience that, that I've worked with, you can, can only um, take, take bits from them and hopefully it moulds you into a well-rounded coach. John Toshak mentioned there, you know, Liverpool legend and then handed you your first cap for Wales. Is it a grandparent, a Welsh grandparent? There must have been some real pride there pulling on your national jersey. Yeah, very proud, mate. The My dad's dad, so obviously my granddad uh, was, was full Welsh. 
Um, so my dad, uh, it was from my dad's side, really. Um, obviously got a lot of, lot of English family, but to, to represent, um, yeah, say my granddad, who was a massive uh, inspiration for me as, uh, growing up as a young lad, to know that I'd um, played for for his country, for my country, etc. was, yeah, really, really proud. My dad is, my, obviously my mum is ultra proud as well, but with my dad, he was, he, he grew up in Wales and spent a lot of time there. And I have a, a load of family in North, North Wales who are, who are real kind, special sort of people that um, are really just love life. Um, and to, to know that I've, I've, I've played for my country at, under 1921 and, and senior level and played for like I said some top managers and with some really outstanding football players is again you, you look back when it's only when you do things like this that you reflect on it a little bit and, and realise sort of what you've been able to achieve a bit there's loads and loads of players that have achieved a lot more than me but I'm proud to, to, uh, to have achieved as much as I could um, and squeeze as much out of my playing career as I could um, and uh, yeah loved it Another manager you actually played alongside was Ryan Giggs for Wales, didn't you? You've seen what he's gone on to do now managing the side. What is your longer term aim? Yeah, uh, the, the Giggsy one. I remember when I first broke into to the squad under Toshak and I remember um, obviously playing, uh, watching Giggs as a, as a fan and, and seeing how good he was and then training with him. But then the, the, the first training session I had that night, uh, when the players go go for their evening meals or whatever, I remember we, we got there and I'd sat in a place and I didn't realise it was next to Giggsy at the time. I think he was getting a bowl of soup or whatever, and he's come back and I'm sitting down and then I've looked like and and he's sitting. I'm like, what was like? It's right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what do I say, man? What do I say? But it, again, just a like such. What did a, you say though? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I can't. I can't remember. I probably asked him about a few of his goals or something like that, but. He just um, again. I've spoke to him quite. I've spoke to him loads more since that. Since because I'm on my pro license and obviously with a Welsh FA. He come to when I was at Newport. He come to a Newport game. To I think he was turning on the Christmas lights, and um, I weren't playing at the time. I was. I had a little injury, and uh, I remember the Newport chairman, who was a top guy, said, "Look, like Giggsy's coming into the uh, boardroom. Like, it'd be great for you to see him before." I was like, cool. And then I went in, went in there and he's like, Crofty, how you doing? And I'm like, he still knows, he still knows my name. Like, I was buzzing. Um, and then uh, added, like, spent the, like this, uh, the time with him speaking. And I just thought, wow, like, he, he, he loved that the, um, the Wales team had had a game before. So we were sort of talking about that a bit. And then it was just really like, I just love speaking to him. And then on our pro license, he's done a couple of talks on that. And he's just, uh, he's just been really, sort of like he's quite open with with what he's, uh, he speaks about and I, I've got a lot of respect for that and again with someone who's achieved that amount he's obviously uh, coached and assistant manager at Man United then he had a time in interim manager now he's the Wales first team manager just um, just yeah really fortunate to even be able to speak to him so every time I speak to them people I just try and absorb as much as I can um, my ambition is um, look I want to coach manage um, as high as high as I can. Um, I'm I'm in no rush, um, but I am I am in a I'm, I'm in a rush to to be the best that I can be at what I choose to do. And I think you're always becoming something. I'll never say I'm a top coach or a top manager because I think you're always becoming something because you're always learning. Um, and I want to I want to be the best that I can be. I've got I'm an ambitious, really driven person who who wants to, like I said, hopefully coach, manage at the highest level. Um, will I be able to do that? Hopefully. Like, uh, I've got a lot of um, self-belief in myself, but like I said, how long that period takes, um, if it takes five years, 10 years, 15 years, I ain't in no rush. And I think that's why I'm in a real good uh, place now to, 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 to do my hours, to do, to do my learning. Um, and I'm learning literally every single day, um, organising, delivering sessions, uh, trying to, uh, the analysis side of it, the periodization side of it, sort of like getting to, we've got so many um, support staff at the club that do uh, specialise in all their different um, uh, departments. And I'll try and i try and learn as much as I can from every everyone. And then hopefully that sort of um, makes you a more well-rounded coach and 
um, potential manager one day. So, yeah, I'm very ambitious, but I'm, I'm in no rush. I'm, I'm sure um, there'll be plenty of opportunities um, that hopefully will keep coming in, in, in the next um, uh, years, decade, whatever. So I am, uh, I'm looking forward to it. The two of the qualities that I'm getting from our chat, and I'm sure Alice will agree, while we're talking to you, Andrew, are humility and gratitude for everything that football's given you. And it's a really similar characteristic to, I would say, our current crop of players, and it's perhaps what's served them so well as a unit. Would you say those are two of the guiding principles and how you really live your life? Yeah, uh, cheers, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I just think... Um, I, li- I like to think that I'll treat every single person the same. Um, I like to think that I'm very honest with how I perform every day. Um, and I think you can always be a little bit biased to yourself. Uh, and, and that's as a player, you're always a little bit biased to yourself. Like, why is he playing in front of me? Why is he like, nah, I disagree with that, disagree with that. And I think as I've got older, I've been really, uh, I've really tried to nail that and be as honest as I can with myself and know, know my strengths, know my weaknesses. Um, and, and believe, like I said, I, I really believe in myself. Um, and I think because I'm so passionate about the game and, and about people, that's, that's like I said, I think wanting, wanting to play for someone. So that our young players at Brighton now, I've got, I've got a lo- loads of good relationships with them because I, when I say that I want them to do well, I want them to do well. I don't just say it just for the sake of saying it because uh, it's an easy thing to say. Every time that someone trains or someone plays, I want them to be the best they can be. And when they're going through a little bit of a tough time, I'll be there for them. I'll never give up on anyone. Um, and I think uh, it's important that people know that and they don't. But but people can say it and not really mean it. And, and hopefully when I speak to someone, they know that like what I'm saying to them I believe it and I'll stick by it um, until the end. Um, and obviously, but th- then you've got to learn, you've got to, you got to realise where, where, where you've got to put a lot of your energy into. You've got to have good people around you that will be honest with you as well. So that uh, I love challenging people. I want to be, I want to be challenged myself, um, but you've got to be supportive with that. So you can't just challenge someone and never support someone. So you don't want to keep telling someone that they're doing well if they're not doing well. Um, you've got to be like honest with them. But there's a there's a way to be honest when someone ain't doing well. That then then has a negative effect on their their performance. Where if you do it in a way, hopefully that they take it on ball, but they don't sort of shrink into their shells or whatever. Hopefully that'll be my style. Um, but I will. I'll be really demanding every day. I won't let anyone not not sort of give it their best every single fi- uh, with everything they do and that's whether you're a player coach staff um, whoever I think you've got responsibility when you're at a football club that you you buy into what that club's about what the badge means to you um, and uh, yeah hopefully that humility and uh, gratitude to, to, to the game is something that I pride myself on that's so good to hear. And, and how much do you would you think that your experiences and your success at Norwich have helped kind of shape your mould of what you're giving to the younger generation now? Yeah, I think obviously that the feeling of, of success is it, it's obviously the best feeling ever to get promoted um, with with a group of people that um, you were so close to. The feeling uh, is is indescribable because if it you want that feeling as much as you can. Some players will obviously experience it more than others because of obviously the club they're at, the the talent, the the work ethic they got, etc. The um, all the different stuff. But when you feel feel that, you just want to keep feeling it. Uh, and and success can be in many different ways, from promotions, from individual accolades, team accolades, uh, surviving relegation, um, that sort of stuff. But also. Uh, I think some of your biggest failures can be your biggest successes as well. So I, I've had like I've had loads of tough times in football. Like obviously none more so than two two big injuries. Um, and if they made me a better person, one hundred percent, would I want someone to get injured just to experience um, heart, like uh, the process of being able to return to it and. And having that that mental uh, toughness to get through to it, I wouldn't want any player to get injured because I know what it feels like to miss 
miss games, miss training for a long time um, and seeing your teammates going out and, and doing what you love doing and you can't do that. Um, would I want anyone to do that just to make him a better person? No, of course not. Um, but as it as it made me the person I am today, yes. Like So any experience that I've gone through, whether it had been good or bad, I try to use it to make, make me better. Um, and then hopefully... Like I said, them different experience from good times, bad times, um, good form, bad form, injuries, uh, promotions, uh, playoff, playoff uh, campaigns, all that sort of stuff will hopefully, um, yeah, really uh, play a part in in my next chapter. And, and my next chapter, I'm really excited about. Like I, I love, I absolutely loved being a player, and and. I enjoyed it more than anything. Was it a roller coaster? Yeah. Was it highs and lows? Yeah, of course. But my next chapter is a coach and um, hopefully manager one day. Uh, I'm I'm more excited about if I'm being honest. Um, and I think it's a big statement because you won't you won't hear a lot of people say that. Or a lot of ex players say it because they they miss the buzz of playing and and that feel. But I don't know. I just my early part of it for the last eighteen months. I've enjoyed it that much that. Um, I'm ex- I'm really excited about it because I don't know. I just feel like obviously I captained a few clubs and and that sort of hopefully uh, a skill of mine that like um, connecting people and and having that that feel to it. I ho- I'm ho- I'm excited that hopefully I can achieve some good things in in my next chapter. Albeit it's going to be tough. There's a lot of work to do. I've got lot lots of improving to do. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I feel excited for you, Andrew. It's so good to hear you say all of that. And finally, I just want to end. What does Norwich City mean to you and why is the club so special? Uh, for lots of different reasons, but the, the the part that it played in my life for that two and a bit years, happy, like, I was so happy for that two and a bit years. Uh, anyone tell you, like, you know, when you're happy in your life as far as your, your personal, your professional, etc., the, the people in the city were, were superb. The, the, to, to, live, to live there as a city was beautiful. Like the, the house we lived in, like the area we lived in, it was just, it, it was a real, I, I had, um, a young, I've got two kids, but I, had a, my, I only had one at the time, a young lad. To, to, to bring kids up in, um, in Norfolk was beautiful. So that part of it as um, family life, et cetera, was, was so special. And then, my professional life as far as the people that I work with for that two and a bit years, the success we had. Um, I, I used to always love putting into the players' car park on the day of a match day and walking around and you walk around to the pitch. Uh, and, and it's a sim- similar one at Brighton where you walk across. And I, I just remember thinking, I can't wait to play today. Like the, it was when the, the stadium was empty and you, you used to sort of visualise in about an hour and a half's time, this is going to be packed. It's going to be rocking. And the I just couldn't wait. I, I was like so excited by every home game. And obviously away games are different because like it's a different feel. But your, your home games at Carroll Road was was so exciting. Um, and obviously we, we won so many games there. So obviously when you're winning games and you're getting closer to what you want to achieve, it's, it, it was just such a a happy time. I can't, I, I can't really describe it any other, like just, it was just so happy and enjoyable. Um, but it was hard work. Don't get me wrong. Like the, the physical demands that, that we put on ourselves as a team, because we worked so hard for each other, but I love the thought of working hard. Um, and I, I love the thought of being tired after a game or tired after training because you, you know, you're doing something. So my, my two and a bit years at, uh, at Norwich will, will stay with me forever. Um, no matter what happens in the future, that period of time with that, that group of people will always live with me um, f- forever uh, as a special time in my life. You know what? I genuinely think we can all learn something from your characteristics and ethos there. It's just so good to hear you speak. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really, really interesting. Thoroughly enjoyed that. And good luck with your coaching career as you progress. Thank you. No, cheers. That's much appreciated. I've absolutely loved it. Um, you, you, you two seem like great people yourselves as well. So it's been a, been a pleasure to speak to you both. That's been a great time. Thanks ever so much, Andrew. Well, Alice, what a treat that was. I loved that period of the football club with those back-to-back promotions. Andrew Cross was such a massive part in that second one, back up to the Premier League, and what a huge character he is as well. 
Yeah, and he just seems like such a humble and passionate guy. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing how his coaching career develops. Really interesting chat with Andrew. And if you enjoyed that, make sure you subscribe if you want more podcasts just like that. We're on Spotify, Apple and YouTube. Just search All in Yellow. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.